stop the talking and shush. Shush times. Quiet now. Shush you. All right. So here's the thing. This is your last peer review for this class, you guys. Doesn't it feel amazing? Yeah? It feels like awesome, right? What's that? So the semester is, for this semester, this is the last peer review. Yes, this is it. It's very epic. It's a big deal, right? And so today is the day that if you did not turn the literature review in today, then you, you forfeit the opportunity to redo it, right? But so you need to, what? You better do that right now then. Okay, so um, today is the, so you need to turn this in two separate times to be able to redo it. Today and also before class next time. If you follow those two due dates, right, then you can redo to your heart's content over the break if you so choose. That's a bummer, but hopefully it's perfect without redoing it because we peer reviewed it so many freaking times, yes? Yeah, but if you want to redo it, great. Just make sure it's turned in on time, both today and before class next time. So what are you gonna do after this peer review today, other than cry, because that was what the last period said. Last. What's that? You're gonna revise it, and this is your last chance to have it be beautiful, right? And then this is the one that goes down in history as your final Big Fat Mama paper in, hey, ladies, you gotta stop talking. Your final Big Fat Mama paper in your first college English class. It's very exciting. It's momentous, it's epic, blah, blah, blah. Those things, yes? So when that is turned in before class next time and then we're putting it to bed, right? That's a major part of your grade. The remaining assignments, there are two, arguably three assignments left until the end of the term right? The first is that you create a presentation from your literature review and you present it to the class, right? The second is that all of you will grade each other's presentations using a rubric and a form system. So that's a sort of a third assignment. And then the final assignment is a reflection that Weber State would like to be written, but I say screw that because for the love of all that is holy, how much more are you supposed to write? So the reflection we follow the same questions for the reflection, but we make it into a video. And that's the video that you watched at the beginning of this class. It's the circle of life, holding up Simba. You get the whole thing. You get, you get it. Okay. So um, that's really the remaining days of this class. The remaining two weeks of this class, the reason I have this Big Fat Mama do before Christmas break is because I know you have big fat stuff coming up after the break in your other advanced classes. And since I have a little leeway to schedule stuff, you'll start to see why I schedule it that way, right? So the remaining two weeks of this class, other than putting your presentation together and filming your reflection video, your class time is gonna be spent sitting here listening to presentations. It's gonna be relaxing. You know what I'm saying? So like this is the last like hard part. This is the last push, yes? So if you get your paper in, the rest is, I mean the presentation isn't nothing. I mean it'll take some work, but you're not creating any new content. You're basically reformatting your literature review in essence, right? So um, we have one in class. Well, next class period, I'll teach you what the presentation is, right? Like I'll teach you what the requirements are, 
I'll show you what you're supposed to do. I'll show you the rubric. And then the next class period after the holidays, if you are caught up, you have zero homework from this class. Like, I cannot, like, we all need a break. You, well, I won't have a break because I have to grade your freaking essays. But you need a break and deserve that break. Yes? So when we come back, you'll have a class day to complete your presentation. Um, if you think you're going to need longer than that, you can for sure work on it over the break if you really want to. But then the due dates begin after that. You can see where you're random, you've randomly been scheduled for the next four class periods uh, for your presentation. It's already scheduled. It's already done. So there's that. And then you'll just, for the remaining class period time for the rest of the term, be working on your reflection. And that's it. During the presentations, you'll be filling out, like you'll be grading your classmates based on the rubric that I'll give you, but it's pretty cut and dry from here on out, right? This was the hard part. You got through the hard part. The easy stuff is ahead. Yes, now you can see why things are scheduled. You get it. You're starting to see the wisdom in all the things, at least I hope. Mm -hmm. Okay, so any questions about the logistics of this class moving forward? It's important to remember that while it's, it's, there's a good chance you won't have my class next semester, right? You can still sign up for uh, the directed research class. It's fourth period with me or second period with Verve. And that's literally a class in which you complete your classwork for your advanced classes. So talk to your counselor if you need more information about that. Yes. Other than that, let's put this thing to bed, shall we? So the paper that you have in front of you, I'm going to take you through it like I'm going to grade it, basically, right? So I'll take you through it exactly how I look at things and exactly how I compartmentalize information. So the first thing I do is I check the form of it all. I check the MLA. Um, so the first thing you should do is see a works cited page at the end of this. Go to the end. There should be one. It should be on its own page. It should start at the top of the page. Now remember, if formatting got weird, it's probably because you didn't save it to your device as a document and then save it from your document device as a PDF. It's like five steps. But you got to ensure that formatting or it'll mess up your pages and whatnot. All right. So on the Works Cited page, make sure Works Cited is at the top. There's no extra spaces above or below. There's a page number in the top right-hand corner. And all of the, make sure all the citations are in alphabetical order and that there's no extra spaces between citations. <clears throat> make sure there's six of them. Make sure it's in hanging indent uh, format. Then next, so that's one third of MLA formatting. The next part of MLA formatting is the page formatting, right? So go to the first page. Flip through it. Hopefully, we don't need to spend too much time on this. There should be a page number in the top right-hand corner. There should be a four-line heading on the far right-hand side. Make sure that heading is formatted correctly. There should be one-inch margins all the way around. No extra spaces in between paragraphs. Indented paragraphs. And the titles and uh, heading titles should be properly formatted, centered. Times New Roman 12-point font. No bold, no underlined, nothing fancy, completely centered with important words capitalized. Yeah. Okay, so double check that all their just basic page formatting is correct. Um, and then 
technically the formatting also goes along with the titles for the sources. So they should have it in quotation marks with all the important words capitalized. So go ahead and skim through. Don't read the paper yet, but just skim through and make sure every time they're putting a source title in the text that it's formatted properly, that everything is capitalized in quotation marks as it should be. There's a few things that don't go in quotation marks, like if they use Just Mercy or a book. And today's a little less formal with the highlighter colors, so just use your judgment when it comes to the colors. Since we peer reviewed some concepts many times, I'll go over that. I'll kind of skate past that relatively quickly. Okay, so then the third component of MLA is those in-text citations, those things that give us hard times no matter how hard we try. Get out a highlighter color, and I, again, want you to highlight every single in-text citation, including the punctuation before it and after it. And if you look on the board, those are the formatting guidelines for each type of in-text citation, so use those. And then below that on the far right board, there's a reminder about where the citation goes and where the punctuation should go before and after the citation. So make sure to use that as a resource. So as after you've checked all of those citations, all of those components, the Works Cited page, the page formatting, and the in-text citations, all work together to give them that MLA score on the rubric. Even if they have minor issues, give them a score that they deserve, right? Because I'm not taking this grade again, right? Just feedback so we can perfect this paper. Double check every little citation. Okay, so now that we've talked about MLA stuff, I'm gonna walk you through how I look at your paper as it shows up on my screen and I'm grading it, right? So the first thing I'll do is I will skim for MLA. I won't even read it. I'll just skim through and double check MLA, right? The next thing I'll do is this kind of falls under the rubric row that talks about organization, transition language, and wrap-ups. 
but it also goes with the headings and the way that you've organized in your information. So the first thing I do is just scroll through it and double check that you have, in this order, an introduction. Heading one, heading two, heading three, areas for further inquiry, and a conclusion. So now you check to see that they have all those things. And now go back to the original title. Again, this is how I look at your paper, right? Go back to the original title, read it, and then go to each title of each heading. And I'm looking for meaningful titles that perfectly summarize and encapsulate what is actually in their heading, right? And because I already know your topics and have been looking at your paper so far, I know whether or not your heading titles encapsulate how you've separated your work, but you might not yet, so you might not. I will go and I will answer the titles and title and headings one now, but you might need to read more of the paper to understand whether or not the title and the heading titles actually are appropriate. So do with that what you will. And then next I move to read all of the introductions. So I don't read anything else until I read all the introductions. So that's what you're going to do. Read the introduction and ask yourself, if I knew nothing about this topic, would I have enough context to be able to understand a whole paper about it? And then with a new color of highlighter, highlight what you think their thesis is. It shouldn't be a question. It shouldn't be biased. It should be absolutely 100% clear what their paper is going to be about. And then they should never deviate from that. And then making sure that their in introduction gives you enough context to be able to understand a full paper about it. Also make sure that the information in their introduction is common knowledge stuff and not specific information that only the sources and the authors would be able to provide. In that case, it's not cited and it should be. So they shouldn't be citing anything without first introducing it formally, which means that they shouldn't be citing anything in the introduction. And then after you've read their original, their overall Big Fat Mama introduction, then read their introduction for each individual heading. Does their introduction for each individual heading kind of give you like a little mini thesis for that heading? Does it give you enough context to be able to understand the specifics within that heading appropriately? Um, so it would fall under sources and their introductions of those sources. Okay. Just make sure they have a note to, mm -hmm. yeah.
So you, after you've read all four introductions, give them a score. And remember what we're looking for for introductions is the overall introduction provides an insightful overview of the topic, explains the overall thesis of the lit review, and provides a broad context. The heading introductions provide an insightful lead-in to each heading. Okay, so now that we've looked at those introductions, give them a score. And then the next thing I will do, notice I have not read the main content of your paper. I'm looking for first how you've cohesively communicated your information. Um, I'm looking for how you can basically unwrap it and then tie it up with a bow. That's, those are college level writing skills that are going to get you farther than even the body of your paper, the content in the middle, right? Can you unwrap it delightfully and then tie it up at the end of a heading or at the end of the overall paper? So the next thing I go to is I read, and there's a reason I do this, I read your wrap-ups of each heading before I read the content because the heading wrap-up is supposed to be a summary of the connections in a succinct and concise way, right? So if I go to your heading wrap-ups and I see that your connections are making sense, that's that's a good sign, right? Wait, what what are you doing? How come you didn't tell me earlier? I wouldn't have given you a paper. Now that person's paper isn't going to get peer reviewed the way it deserves. Why did you not communicate with me? I that's not nice. Grab a pencil for me. You should be sorry. That's bad. Thank you. Okay, bye. Okay. Uh, so we're reading wrap-ups, making sure that they provide a full summary of the heading. Okay, 
So then um, I also go through, see how this rubric row talks about transitions? And the organization of the paper, we already kind of looked at, do they have all of the components of the paper, right? Then the transition words and phrases, I'm looking for them at the very least at the beginning of each paragraph, but also within the headings, within the paragraphs as you're moving from one idea to another. So I'll skim for your transition language again before I even read it. Okay, so the next thing I do then is I grade two of these rubric rows at the same time. I grade sources and quotes at the same time because sometimes when you're introducing your sources, your quotes come with those introductions. So I kind of look at everything together. So when you're introducing sources, we are... <clears throat> that the victims... Okay. Uh, making sure that we are doing the author's full name, the full title of the text, and a short summary of the source itself. If they're giving a short summary of the source, they should cite it. So they should have a citation right as they're introducing that source. There still should be a citation, though. Like yeah. Yeah, we need that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you're going to go through and skim, skim for all of the introductions. And then I also grade the quotes along with those introductions. Um, remember that I'm grading that the quote is fully sandwiched, which means I have full context for the quote before it happens. A, a well-cited quote, like in MLA formatting, the citation at the end of it. And then I need transition language that goes from the quote 
into their commentary about the quote. After the transition language, I need them to tell me why the quote is significant and how it connects to the overall conversation. Okay, so once I, I look through all the, so, so this is obviously the, the time, I think you need more time on that, so I'll just shut up.
So if some of you are done with those quotes and the source introductions, then I move on to the areas for further inquiry. It seems like you're still working on that though, so I will continue to shut up. The meat of the paper should always be the connections between the sources. And in the graphic organizer that I gave you guys, the way that I structured it is that you introduce two sources and then connect them in a connection paragraph, then introduce a third source and then connect them in a connection paragraph. You don't have to follow that. I just think that's the best way to be really clear and in depth with your connections. So once you've looked at the sources and their introductions and their quotes, then take a look at their connection paragraphs. There should be a minimum of two meaty and detailed connection paragraphs in each heading. And the thing is, they shouldn't just say that the sources connect or that they agree, right? You should talk about how they agree. And we're talking about nuanced sub points of their text, not just that, you know, so-and-so thinks the death penalty is a good idea and so-and-so doesn't, right? That's saying that they disagree. That's not telling me how they disagree, right? So it's got to be detailed and we got to talk about the nuance. Just think to yourself, how would those two authors, if they were in a room together, how would they talk about this topic, right? So go through and take a look at their connection paragraphs. They should be clear, it should be meaty, it should be in-depth, and it should feel like those connection paragraphs are <coughs> the star of the show, right? They're the winners. That's a okay. wrap up. So I would go back and say after the first two introductions, connection paragraph should be here for okay. those above it, right? Okay. Yeah.
Say again. I like it that way. It doesn't technically have to be, but I like it that way. They can, but they better do it well. You know what I'm saying? If they don't follow my recommended thing, they better do better than good with their own things. You know what I'm saying? Okay, so now that you've taken a look at their connections, again, that's the meat of it, you've got to go to the Big Fat Mama conclusion and identify the so what, who cares, and big picture. Those have to be strong, very strong, right? So what, who cares, big picture. Make sure it's strong. Make sure that it sings, yeah? 
And then once you've taken a look at the conclusion, I quite literally now want you to read the paper, right? And I want you to find the conventions errors, the formality errors that I just, no offense, I just like read a paper that had tons and tons of conventions errors and it's been peer reviewed twice already, right? So I want you to look through for possessive apostrophes, look through for informal language, vague pronouns, um, take a look for spelling, grammar, and punctuation errors. Those apostrophes really hurt people. It's, it's rough out there with them apostrophes. So take the time to read it carefully. And if you're not sure about a conventions thing, ask me, but I just run it through Grammarly, you guys. Just run it through Grammarly. And then the other thing that I can suggest too is since this paper is so big, right, such a big part of your grade, you should check that it's not plagiarized. You can use an uh, online plagiarism checker before you even submit it to Weber State in case you're concerned. There's lots of free online plagiarism checkers. Just know that it will flag the quotes that you put in because those are not original words, but if you cited them well, then you're okay. And just know that it probably will flag your work cited citations, or at least part of them, because you're, you've already submitted that work cited at some point at Weber State previously, right? So we're looking for 20 to 30% not original is fine, right? But any more than that is edging into the plagiarism area, and we don't want that. We do not. Not on a paper that's this high stakes, right? This paper should be considered your final for this class, essentially. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Oh, and f sorry, for the areas of further inquiry, remember there should be at least three areas of further inquiry identified. And for each of those areas of further inquiry, they should have a sentence telling me what area still needs to be inquired upon, and then why that area of further inquiry would make a difference in the conversation, would flesh out the conversation, would fulfill the conversation more cohesively. Why does that area need to be researched more effectively, right? 